Hi there, this is Daniel Eccles, and you're listening to the Learn Opportunity Podcast. We're here to help you get unstuck and start creating your future. I had a client for my career consulting business that felt stuck. He was feeling like he didn't have much opportunity to start creating his future. What he said to me was that he fell into the job that he was in. And I challenged that thought and I said, you didn't fall into where you are. You did repeatable actions that you can apply to a new goal that will help you create your future and create opportunities. You didn't just end up where you are. You did things that helped you to get where you are right now. And so that is what this podcast is about. Join us as we listen to subject matter experts share how they have created opportunities in their own personal and professional lives, how they've gotten unstuck and started creating their own future. These podcast episodes focus on giving you resources and tools so that you can apply best practices, repeatable actions to your own life goals so that you can start learning how to create opportunity in your personal and professional life. So join us. We're ready. Let's get started and start applying opportunity, creating best practices to our lives. Thanks for listening to the Learned Opportunity Podcast. What do you do when you have to pivot? We can make plans for the future, but sometimes life just throws a wrench in the things that we are planning. And the emerging leader on this week's podcast episode knows a thing or two about pivoting when plans do not go as expected. In this episode of the Emerging Leaders series, we have Alex Rodriguez. And Alex is a business owner, full-time content manager, and writer. Owning a business has always looked different for Alex. She comes from an educational background, and she's had to start her tutoring and educational therapy business multiple times. Alex says that we have to know when something is working and when something needs to change if we will get unstuck and start creating opportunities. And sometimes it's clear when things aren't working, like when Alex had to leave Wuhan, China in January of 2020. There was a little thing going on. If you don't know what was going on in Wuhan, China in January of 2020, look it up. Um, Yes. Other times it will take deliberation though to know whether you are going to need to pivot through things like prayer, mentorship, self-assessment. And so that is what I talked to Alex about in this episode. And the question is, is it time for you to pivot? Are you feeling stuck? Is there something in your life right now that isn't working? How are you going to deliberate to see if you need to pivot right now? So I hope you enjoy this episode with Alex. Give her a follow on Instagram at Suyen the writer, S-U-Y-E-N underscore the underscore writer. And as always, you can find the links in our notes. So here we go. Well, hey, Alex, thanks for coming on to Learn Opportunity. I'm excited to talk to you. You're a, what I would consider an emerging leader, and we're talking to other emerging leaders out there about how they are creating opportunities for themselves, how they're getting unstuck. And I give a little bit of an introduction to who you are before this part. So why don't you tell listeners a little bit about what's actually important for them to know about you? 
Sure, sure. I guess what's most important right now in this season of my life is that I am, as you said, Daniel, I am an emerging leader, but definitely in transition. Right Mm -hmm. now, I came from an educating space. I was a teacher for 10 years in the classroom. And in that, I had different opportunities for leadership. I was asked to do some professional development as a teacher. And even as when I left my school, they asked me to come back and do some trainings, which was really cool. And now I'm transitioning into more of a full-time writer role and also also a business owner role. So yeah, I guess that's my perspective where I come from at this, again, in this season of my life. And the last time I talked to you at EdgeX, it does seem like you have your hands in a whole bunch of different things, that you're a creative person and you like to, you know, try different things out. So tell us a little bit about like what your full-time business stuff is and what your full-time writing is and all, all these pieces then how they're kind of coming together. Sure, sure. So as I said before, I was educating, I was teaching elementary school for a while. And in that, I really had just a burden specifically for hospitalized and homebound students. Mm. I met one particular student who really just captured my heart. She was incredible. She uh, had brain cancer. And I met her through actually through church, not through school at all, but her mom was a teacher and her mom kept a blog. And so I followed that blog. Obviously, every time they posted every week, I was reading it because I was just so fascinated by her journey. And I wanted to know how I could serve this little girl better. And one thing that um, her mom always blogged about was just her struggle in school. And, you know, this was back when I started my career and, and my My first question was like, who is helping her? Why doesn't she have anybody coming alongside her? You know, not just the single mom, but also like the student herself. And I I came to learn through that, through reading those blogs that she, the little girl struggled to remember what she was taught in school because of her cancer treatment. Mm -hmm. And so that just really ignited a a burning desire in me to help those students and those families. Because I know it's not just the students who struggle in that space. It's also like, the families who are trying to support this student, who are trying to support the kid. You know, it's it's tough enough to yeah. raise a kid who's medically healthy. <laughs> so through that, I started a business for hospitalized and homebound students. It started off as tutoring, you know, and it was just me driving to their houses and tutoring after school. And then I went back to school to get my master's and I mm. got a I got a master's in special education and I became an educational therapist. And I started helping students, hospitalized and homebound students through educational therapy. And through that, I realized that I really enjoyed the coaching aspect of students, you know, coming alongside students and helping them see success, not just in school, but like in all areas of their life. Mm. So that kind of evolved into me starting kind of switching gears a little bit and pivoting. And I think that's so key for leaders as well as learning, you know, when something works and when something doesn't work, when it's time to pivot and when it's time to dig in your heels. So I realized, you know, it was time to pivot. So I pivoted and now it's a virtual, my business is a virtual tutoring company and academic coaching. And I serve all kinds of students, not just hospital homebound, but of course the hospital homebound piece is still very near and dear to my heart. So should students come to me and that is, you know, their struggle, I definitely help them out. There's like deep discounts. Sometimes I will, you know, connect them with support so that they're their support can be paid for without having to burden the family with another additional cost. So that's my business side. Mm, Um, I did that. And then after a while I was working, you know, full-time as a teacher and I had this business 
And then I definitely felt the shift that it was time to leave my full-time job and just focus on the business full-time. And this was back in 2017. So I did that. I worked from home, you know, before working from home was the norm. I, I quit my teaching job and worked from home for a little while. And then through that, my business was growing. It was it was doing very well. And then something happened. I kind of hit a wall and it was time to maybe consider pivoting again. And without going too much into the details, I ended up accepting a teaching job in China. And so I oh, went wow. to China. <laughs> and then this was September of 2019. I moved to Wuhan, China. Mm, oh. And then, yeah. <laughs> so you can kind of guess what happened next. <laughs> yeah. I, I was out there and I was living my best China life. My business, I ended up putting it on hold. But it's interesting, you know, when you're, when you're, you have a niche and and you have you have gifts in a uh, particular space how those gifts can come you know you'll use them wherever you are so even in china i there were a couple students who i was tutoring on the side and they would come to my apartment after school hours and i would just tutor them and it was really cool to see them grow specifically in english mm. But I fast forward to January of 2020, and actually it was before that because in Wuhan is where it started. Yeah. So we started seeing stories, we and me and some teacher friends of mine who were out there, we started seeing stories of strange pneumonia cases and all these things happening. Mm. And of course, pandemic erupted. And, uh, you know, I was very blessed to get on the first plane out of Wuhan. Yeah. Jeez. So wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure this is not what you were expecting when you asked me the question. No, I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> that's my story. And then, yeah, so, you know, got thrust home basically in the middle of my teaching year, completely unexpected. I, I had my tutoring business that I had put on the back burner here in the States and I'm just thrown back into a world where no one really knows what they're doing <laughs> educationally or otherwise. Mm. I was out of a job essentially um, because I was working at a college over in China teaching English. And at that point, you know, virtual teaching was not something that I could feasibly do from the States. At least the college I was working with was not, not willing to work with me there. So mm. I went back to my tutoring roots and I ended up tutoring students virtually, and that's how it pivoted to more of a virtual thing. And yeah, so that kept me alive for a while. And a passion of mine throughout this whole thing was writing. I love to write. And so I had been on the on the side, aside from all of these things I was doing, I was also writing a story. And, you know, I know before your your podcast topic was a lot about getting unstuck. And so, of course, in this this mm -hmm. writing, I guess you could call it a writing project that I was doing, I definitely felt stuck. And so I was like, you know, this would be a good time to revive this this writing project that I have, this novel. It was a, it's a children's novel that I'm working on. And so I always thought, man, whenever I feel stuck, whenever I'm I'm not sure what to do, I always kind of look to friends. So I just kind of started a writing group. And I was like, hey, writing, if anybody wants to come and write with me on Tuesday nights, I'll be here. And so that was what kind of got me moving forward just as a hobby, writing, you know, aside from of doing my business full time and tutoring full time, I was writing. 
And then a gr- I had a friend join that group and he said, you know, I'm, I have somebody that I know and he's looking for a part-time writer. Would you be interested? And at that point, I was trying to support myself financially while I got my business off the ground. So I said, yeah, sure. So that's how I became a freelance writer. And then I had just one client and he was paying me pretty well, pretty consistently. And then this past January, January 2022, he said, hey, do you want to come work for me full time? And I said, you know what? I can work from home. I can run my business on the side. Sure, why not? And so now I find myself a full-time content writer, content manager, and business owner. And so that's my whole background. I mean, you said it yourself. That's a lot of pivoting and having to go with the flow, having to figure it out as you go. And, And that is kind of what it looks like to get unstuck and start, you know, learning and finding and honing in on more of a direction. It's not like you had a clear picture (laughs) before you started all this. Talk to us a little bit about some of the, the times that you knew it's time to pivot. What are some of the signs for that? And then what are some first steps or things that you can do to start pivoting? Definitely. That's a great question. So I would say, you know, it's hard to go with gut feeling because sometimes yeah. emotions will tell you it's yes, it's time to pivot. This isn't working. Mm-hmm. And specifically as a millennial, you know, it could be like, <laughs> I just have a bad day at work. Time to pivot, <laughs> which is not, you know, somebody didn't affirm me. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of us are familiar with that yeah. feeling. So it's, it's a question of when do you learn to, okay, should I stick it? Or is this more? Do I need to start considering pivoting? And a big thing that's helped me out is to look around at the kind of the open doors around you. What are the opportunities you see? You know, what are the what are the things that maybe you might not be looking for, but they're presenting themselves as opportunities? So, for example, going back to my story, the whole China thing was something completely unexpected. Mm. And it just so happened to present itself as my business was slowing down. And it was very interesting because right before I was presented with the opportunity to go teach in China for a year, I had about four or five clients. I was doing well. I had just gotten to the point where I was, my my load was over. I was overloaded, I should say. And I had held, a, I held an open house to start hiring people. I interviewed tutors. I was moving forward. I was about to start hiring people. My team was growing. It was going to be incredible. And then within, I would say, two weeks, all of my clients called me and just canceled for various reasons. Mm -hmm. I'm like, did you all call each other and like agree to stop using my services? Like, what is this? And so I saw that. I'm like, okay, this door looks like it's closing. Yeah. I definitely still have my business. And it was just kind of, it was a little bit of a waiting game at this point. You know, I'm, I'm a person of faith, so I definitely prayed a lot. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, what is this? What is, what are these doors trying to tell me here? And so as those doors closed, I ended up taking a part-time teaching position. And through that, I was able to go to China. So it kind of set me up a little bit for, you know, my, my business, the doors in my business that were closing were setting me up to mm. accept this crazy opportunity in China. And, you know, I've definitely had friends who have said, yeah, that was a mistake, but I don't consider it a mistake because it was definitely like, I, it's a crazy experience. And knowing yeah. what I know now, I would definitely do it again, even knowing mm. that, you know, it ended up the way that it did. But all of that to say, 
I was able to kind of quiet everything down and say, okay, these doors are closing. I can start knocking on open doors. I can start, you know, looking for clients or advertising, you know, as a business owner, you kind of look at all these arenas and say, okay, what can I ramp up? If I'm not getting clients here, how can I get more leads? But then again, that's kind of where my faith stepped in. And I'm like, all right, do I need to take a step back, pray about this, think about Mm -hmm. this? And then, well, there's a door opening up here that I never would have considered. And then, you know, you do have that emotional piece where like, does this feel right? Mm -hmm. My gut tells me that this feels right, even though it's, it feels completely out of left field. And then at that point, you know, I'm, I'm not married. I'm very blessed that I I don't have many ties as far as like, I, I didn't have a relationship at the time. I don't have any children. So I was like, you know, let's, let's step through this door. You never know what a yes will do, you know, just saying yes to an opportunity. You don't know where that will lead you. And so at that point, I considered kind of everything, counted the cost, if you will, and I decided to take a calculated risk. And so that was my that was kind of my first, my first big decision. That's like, this doesn't make any sense to me, but yeah, let's do it. Right. Why not? Mm. You know, and every time you, you decide to either pivot or dig your heels in either way, it's a risk, right? Right. If you, if you do pivot, you could be missing out on opportunities where if you would have stuck it out a little bit longer, you know, who knows what might've come. And then on the reverse side, you still have that okay, I'm going to dig in my heels. Meanwhile, if you did, you could have pivoted and had some different opportunities come. All of that to say, it's, I think it's a combination of just looking at to see it's a, I don't know, I guess art and science, like what's practical. Yeah. You know, obviously you need to pay your bills (laughs) and then what feels right. Again, going back to the millennial side of just, it's more than just, okay, am I having a bad day or am I really you know, is life really trying to tell me something here? So I hope that answers your question a little bit. (laughs) At that time that you had to move away from doing some of your tutoring and get a a part-time job, that probably didn't feel good because it's something that you cared about and it's like, okay, am I going back to teaching? And emotionally, that sounds like a difficult time where you're having to pivot and transition. How did you... If it was, I, I mean, I don't know. I might be just putting words into your mouth, but how did you navigate the emotions that come with all of this change, pivoting, having to just take whatever's next in front of you? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. I think it comes down to humility, <laughs> having to take that humble pie and just being like, you know what? I, I thought my life was going in this direction. It's mm. clearly not. And luckily for me, you're right. It was a very emotional time. But luckily for me, I think just with my journey in my life, I've learned to eat humble pie a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> And I think it also comes with identity. You know, mm. if I had I would say if I had my identity in the fact that I am a tutor, I'm a business owner, I am an academic coach, and this Mm -hmm. is who I am, Mm -hmm. I think letting go and going back to accepting a teaching job at the place that I had just quit the year before, that would have been super difficult for me. And I would have probably gone kicking and screaming or just not accepted it at all. Yeah. Um, But again, like, for me, I've realized, and I'm very blessed that my parents are business owners as well. And I've seen them have to pivot. Mm. I've seen where, you know, my dad's been like, you know what, this, this part of our business isn't working. Let's focus on this side of things. And so seeing them going through their seasons of that and understanding that, you know, just because I 
I am not working at this business full time doesn't mean I'm not an entrepreneur. doesn't mean I'm not a business owner. And sure, you know, what I'm doing with my hands, what I'm doing day to day is going to be different. But at the end of the day, like my identity is not in those things, mm. you know, in, in our lifetimes. And I'm sure you understand this, like we wear so many different hats mm. and we become different people if you define yourself by what you do. But we as people, we're not defined by what we do. And if you do define yourself by what you do, then I'm assuming it's a lot harder to pivot. And it's a lot harder to let go of seasons and to accept that, hey, you know what, sometime maybe this season of whatever it is that you're doing, it's over and it's time to open your hands to something else, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's something that's helped me with all the things that I've changed and done is definitely not having my identity in those things, but realizing and looking back and being grateful and thankful for the opportunities that I did have as short-lived or as long as they may have been. And if it's closing, that just is another opportunity for something else, something that might be just as fun. Um, And through that sort of attitude, I've been able to, I just have fun everywhere I go, I feel like, (laughs) you know? (laughs) That's good. Daniel, what's your Enneagram number, if you don't mind me asking? I'm a two. You're a two. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. For some reason, when you said that, you have fun everywhere you go. I'm like, that sounds like a seven. Yeah, I usually get mistyped as a seven by people, (laughs) but no, I'm a a two. I know, by the way, I'm able to manipulate, so... That's good though. You're a two that knows how to have fun everywhere. And that's really oh, good. For sure. It's a great quality. Well, you know, it, it, it's fun because uh, it's just people. And I love people and there are more and more people to to meet and to get to see what, you know, they're excited about and what can they accomplish and all the potential of other people. So it's just fun to see and play different roles throughout life. I always say it that way, actually, whenever I talk about when I worked at a coffee roaster, I mm-hmm. loved it because I got to go and I got to play coffee. In every, all these other sort of roles, you know, I got to play a higher education role or I'm getting to play in, in tech right now, or I got to play as a counselor, things like that. So every Thing that closes is kind of the end of a game and to start of another one. Not that I don't take any of my work seriously, but <laughs> right. <laughs> no, but that's a really great way to look at it. I think it's hard sometimes for for some, especially if you are doing something that you really, really love mm-hmm. and that you get wrapped up in. It's hard to hold that with an open hand because you don't want to let it go, mm-hmm. you know. But if if you, I love that mindset. Like, oh, I get to play this. I get to play that. Um, it kind of just lets you again have fun with it. And it helps you kind of take a step back and not take your your job or your what you're doing at the time so seriously. Because at the end of the day, like who knows when you're going to leave that and and move on to something else? Who knows mm-hmm. when that shift is coming? And it's a lot easier to kind of roll with the punches when you're like, no, I was just playing that for a while. I think it, it's like the quote at the end of the movie Hook. The lost boy says that was a great game. And smiles as Peter Pan flies off Robin Williams and everything. I love that you quoted that. Hook is one of my favorite (laughs) movies of all time. That is fantastic. Yeah, but having that sort of an attitude, I think, helps with all this change, all of that pivoting of just being thankful. Like, we've gotten to participate in so many great games, and I'm just really thankful for that. And there are just a lot of those things, like, I'm blessed and I've gotten to do some things that a lot of other people haven't been able to do, which gets me sort of into your work with children who are homebound or students who are hospitalized. They 
uh, aren't necessarily getting some of these opportunities and, and there it is uh, just an added difficulty to help them get unstuck or to continue to learn so that they'll have opportunity in the future. How do you help those who uh, are dealing with illness figure out some of the, of their options and get unstuck and, and, and move forward? I'm sure that there's some nuanced things there that is different than your normal tutoring client. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I will say each student that I take on teaches me something new about what I'm doing. Mm. You know, more more recently, I've been working with high school seniors. Two of my seniors graduated last year, and it was just really great to see them. One was a traditional student. She was going to school, but what had happened to her, without going into too much detail, she had a sports injury and was out of school for about six weeks and just catching up and coming back to school after that was really difficult for her. And so I would say like, I wish there were more systems. I wish I could just teach a course like this is how you help a student who's hospital homebound, but like, you just don't know each student is a case by case basis, you know? Mm -hmm. So the big, the big keys, and it sounds very, I don't know, kind of like hippy dippy. I don't know. But the big thing is just building relationships and Mm -hmm. listening. I found I was working at one point, I was working with two different high school seniors. One, you know, had a, a, lifetime diagnosis the other one was just getting over an injury and these two girls they were even friends and it was hard because like they were so similar on the outside but as soon as I started talking to them they were so different in what they wanted and like their Mm. goals and their attitudes so I couldn't approach one the same that I approached the other Um, you know I had to almost like do a complete mind shift some days I would work with them both at the same time back to back and I'm like even though these girls do look very similar they are completely different and I have to realize that and our session always started with just me asking them how their day was and asking them how things were going and just sitting there and listening even to the point where there was some awkward silent stretches you know in our session but they would often tell me exactly what they needed. Mm. I just needed to listen long enough and to, you know, shut up long enough to put my own agenda aside. Because of course my agenda is to, all right, what what schoolwork do you have? What projects do you have? All of that, you know, those were the, that's, I guess, the ins and outs, the the practical side. But what a lot of these kids really need is they need someone outside of their situation to just listen and validate them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I found myself playing counselor. Sometimes I was giving relationship advice. And it was it could have been really easy for me to be like, hey, I'm not your counselor. I don't know. And sometimes I would say that. I'm like, I am not a mental health counselor. I'm yeah. just a tutor. But a lot of times they just needed someone to to listen to, to vent to, you know, and those are those are definitely the older students. And when they feel seen, a lot of times that's a burden that they, you know, they can it's just not a burden that they don't have to carry anymore because somebody's listening to them. I'm not telling them how to solve this problem necessarily. I'm just listening and validating them. And then we can get to the school stuff. You know, a lot of times the school stuff, they know what they need to do, but they're so bogged down with the emotional side of Mm -hmm. I'm not like everyone else. I'm sick. I'm bound to the house or I can't, you know, I'm not like my friends and I'm trying to live this life as if I was, you know, I'm trying to, to do school. I'm trying to be successful, but I have this crazy deficit and I'm not starting from the same point as them and all of these things. But once you, it's a really fine balance, I would say between like providing kind of helping them process things emotionally. And then also the practical school side, like, okay, um, you're, you know, and I, as a, as I would say, as a 
therapist, I got a lot of training in executive functions, which for those of listeners who don't know what that is, it's basically the non-academic side of school. It's time management, project management, organization, all of these things that you know, intrinsically, you kind of pick up as a student, but a lot of students just don't. So even though a kid could be brilliant at math, if his homework is unorganized, he's not going to know what he's doing, right? right. So I kind of focused on the executive function mm. part as a coach, and as a tutor. And I think I've kind of got off on like a rabbit trail. And I hope again, that I answered your question. <laughs> no, you did. I mean, that listening, and then equipping the student to meet their goals, to focus on the things that they care about. I mean, it could be easy to walk into one of those situations and having an idea of what you want for these students who are hospitalized and homebound and struggling. Uh, and you might want so many things for them, but what you want for them is not necessarily what they need. And you might be trying to help them get unstuck in an area that they're not actually stuck at and trying to help someone out of a hole that uh, they're not even in. So I think that that's great to just remember to always focus on listening and then also how do we give resources and tools and things to help them reach their own goals. So around that executive functioning, how are you going to create an environment where they can do it themselves or as much as they can and we're just supporting and walking alongside and listening and not necessarily having to drag along, if you will. So yeah, that's really good. And as you're talking, I'm remembering one of my mm -hmm. biggest things that I, I was trained to do as a therapist and that I was really, I learned again, as each student, as I get another student, they teach me so much. I learned to, to ask questions really well, almost to the point where I'm guiding them to the answer that I want, but in a way that like, it sounds very manipulative. Well, I'll, I'll give you that. You but like, <laughs> you know, but you're like, I know what I want you to say, but I'm not going to tell you the answer because if you tell students, a lot of times it doesn't, it doesn't mean much. But right. if they arrive at that conclusion on their own, that is key because I, you know, even though you led them to it, they're the ones who essentially got there, you know, and it just, it, when it means something, then they remember it more. I know, for example, I would have, you know, a girl say, I, you know, I have to finish this amount of virtual school and I only have this amount of time to do it. And I would say, okay, so what do you think you need to do to, to get that possible? And then of course she would be like, well, I need to, I need to work harder which is a very generalized and broad answer. Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, okay, maybe not work harder. Is there something you can do every day to reach your goal? And then, you know, with those pointed questions, she was able to kind of see, oh, if I just work one hour in this time, then I could get it done. And then I would take it a step further. Okay, can you put in your calendar or in your schedule, what hour do you think you're going to do that? Um, even to the point where I'm like, okay, are you going to eat before or are you going to eat after? Yeah. So that they could really visualize and see themselves as being successful. And then, yeah, that was basically what I would do. And I would do that with all my students, whatever age they were. Of course, you you kind of balance it out depending on how old they are. I had, I had a student who she was age-wise, she was in middle school, but because of a delay in neurological function, she was, she had kind of the, the functioning of a third grader. So, you know, having to adjust for that was, was pretty interesting as well, but she just taught me so much about questioning and, uh, you know, her mind was definitely different, but it was another learning experience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we kind of wrap up here, there is a question that I have 
started asking other emerging leaders I've been having on the podcast. And I think I'm going to kind of continue this question because I just enjoyed it. And that question is all these things you're working on, all the stuff that you're dreaming about and you're trying to work towards. If we were to check in with you a year from now, what would a success look like for you from here to a year out? That's a really good question. Well, I would definitely have a bigger team. I would love to be serving more families. Ideally, I would like to be serving because it's just me and one other person right now who's running the whole operation. Mm -hmm. I would love to be serving more than 20 families, you know, and that seems like a small goal. But when you're working at the pace that I'm working at, that's that's a pretty good good goal. So I'd love well, to when have, it's have only have you served. really doing some of that serving and stuff too. That is, that is a good a good goal. Right, right. And I'd love to have a bigger team, bigger meaning, you know, between five and 10 people working on my team. I would love to have more of a system. I have a system in place right now. Of course, as entrepreneurs, we're always refining and making it better. I would love yeah. to have just a really easy process for my families who sign up and also mm -hmm. for my, my team as they grow and all of these things. I think the team part is going to be what I focus on, though. I would love to have a team that I regularly pour into that, you know, my goal was not just for students, but also I want to give teachers an opportunity because most teachers are all looking for a side hustle. I would love to be able to serve teachers with the opportunity to make some extra income, pour into their lives and give them the opportunity to bless these students as well. So I would say, yeah, in a year from now, I would love to have a bigger team and just a really a good, I would say I'm trying to build a community, right? Mm -hmm. Just mm -hmm. a good community um, aspect to my team. Well, that's good. I mean, that gives me something that a year from now I'll, I'll be thinking and I'll, I'll see where you're at. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if you if you invite me back on the show, I'd be like, well, I pivoted again, you know, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me, though, too. Like, I, I feel like uh, if I would have an answered that a year ago, like, OK, everything looks different now again. <laughs> um, but mm -hmm. you, you but just you never, never know. know. You never know. And that's OK, because uh, there will be success in other areas, in other ways, uh, just as you continue to focus on what's in front of you and, you know, continue to develop into the person that you want to become. So absolutely. Alex, how can listeners connect with you if they're interested in some of the stuff that you're doing or they want to get involved? Sure, sure. That's a great question. So I would say Instagram is my drug of choice is what I tell. It's <laughs> what I tell people. If you want to follow, I would say I just started an account for my writing. It's Suyen the writer, S-U-Y-E-N, the writer, as in, you know, writing. So that would be my writing side. And then from there, I definitely have a link to all kinds of, you know, I can link people to to my website, which is definitely under construction right now. But that's the easiest way to connect with me. Suyen, S-U-Y-E-N. Correct. The writer. Okay. Yeah. And there's underscores between that. But yeah, it's, well, a, it's a picture what? of a typewriter. Between Sujan underscore the underscore writer. Okay. So hopefully you'll be able to find me. It's a picture of a, of a typewriter. Awesome. Yep. All right. Well, I'll, I'll put that listener in the show notes. So if you're interested in some of the stuff that Alex is doing, you want to check out her writing, see, follow, and just continue to get some updates throughout the year on how she's doing, go and check that out. And we'll catch you next time as we continue to help emerging leaders get unstuck so that they can start creating more opportunities. 
Suppose you enjoyed today's episode of the Learned Opportunity Podcast, and you want to help create hundreds of opportunities for emerging leaders. In that case, there are a couple of ways that you can support this mission. One, you can make sure to follow or subscribe to the Learned Opportunity Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts so that you don't miss any of our upcoming interviews with thought leaders, experts, and other emerging leaders like yourself. Two, you could leave a five-star review on Apple or Spotify, and this really helps more emerging leaders discover this show. And third, you could share this episode with someone you want to help get unstuck so that they can start creating more opportunities in their personal and professional lives. So as always, I love to hear from you. You can send me a message on Instagram at DJECCLES, or you can send me an email at Daniel at learnedopportunity.com.